Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Let's Talk Surgery podcast for RCS Ed. I am your host, Gregory Carter, Colorectal Registrar up in Edinburgh, Scotland. And with me, as always, my good friend and co-host, Sassy, how are you? I'm fine, Greg. Um, I'm thinking that you must be very nervous because we've got your training program <laughs> director with us today. And I am looking forward to her making you feel extremely uncomfortable. I'm really looking forward to that. Well, if there's anything about Anna Paisley, it's that she is fair, and therefore this episode is going to have no bearing on my ARCP at uh-huh. all, except positive only. So thanks for that build-up. Today we've got with us Miss Anna Paisley, consultant, opera GI surgeon, and also patient safety group chair for the College of Surgeons of Edinburgh and member of council. Miss Paisley, how are you? I'm very well, Greg and, and Ceci, and many thanks for asking me along, although I didn't realise it was in the remit to make you, Greg, feel uncomfortable, but I'll see what I can do. <laughs> I have no doubt you will. <laughs> well, thanks for thanks for joining us, and it's always good to have you in an informal capacity. The last time I had to look at you, it was at my ARCP, so I feel less <laughs> nervous now that that's over. So today is not about me, thankfully, it's about you and the patient safety group and we thank you for joining us as part of our patient safety series. Usually on our podcast what we try to do in addition to the message that we put across we like to know the individual behind the message and so a simple question to start with who is Anna Paisley? Oh that is quite a simple question but it's quite a difficult one I suppose to to answer. I suppose you, you know me well Greg, I'm Ceci, I'm, a, uh, I'm from Belfast originally um, I'm married and I'm an upper GI surgeon. Um, that's in, in, in short. Um, uh, I've worked in Edinburgh uh, all my consultant career, really. Uh, and although I'm from Belfast, I've lived in, in Edinburgh and Scotland uh, for 25, 26 years now. So I call Edinburgh Edinburgh home. The next thing we try to do is dig a little bit deeper. So you've been fairly modest in, in your introduction of self. I think there are lots of hats that you wear and we'll come to some of those later. Some quick fire questions. Training, obviously, as we alluded to, you're the training program director for general surgery, or higher general surgery up in Southeast Scotland. What is it about training that gets you fired up and you enjoy the most? Well, I think about training, I always think back to my own training and what I um, regarded as as a good trainer whenever I was training, and I tried to emulate that. I think the most important thing is to take an interest in your trainees uh, and to really care about them and to try and help them through their journey in the training programme. And I think that really sort of overrides everything, really. To me, that's the most important aspect. Um, uh, and also a knowledge that all trainees want to succeed. Uh, and I see it as my job to, to help the trainees do that. Question number two. On this podcast, we have a concept of Noah's Ark, where the floods come again and there's just the ark. There's only one spot left on, on the boat and you have to save a member of council. Who would you save and why? Oh, my goodness. Well, that's a, an extremely difficult one. And I'm going to chicken out and not say I couldn't say <laughs> one individual person. I think the the real um, uh, highlight for me being on council and the real value of council is that we're a very close-knit family um, yep. and we all work together extremely well and look out for each other. 
So um, I'm not going to answer your question, Greg, because I couldn't possibly choose one person. I couldn't possibly oh. choose. Every member of council uh, is a friend uh, and everybody uh, works really closely. Congratulations. So. You have done better than some of your colleagues, uh, Rowan <laughs> Parks and uh, Paula Rajesh and others fell for that and, and chased someone else. Well, I guess the, the next question you probably won't answer either. In your time as training program director up in Scotland, who has been your favourite trainee and why? And oh, I know well, his name starts with Greg. Greg. It has to be oh, you, without doubt. Without <laughs> Excellent. Doubt. Is that the right answer? That, that is correct. You get a point. Was that, that. What, was that what I was supposed to say? Indeed, indeed. Thank you for coming on. Back to some serious conversation now. Looking at your, as you say, I, I know you fairly well, but to the rest of the audience, your training journey has been one of interest in terms of uh, the different places you've worked, the different people you've worked with on your journey to Edinburgh. So if you can just run us through that training journey from surgical training till now. Um. Well, as I say, I grew up in Belfast. I went to medical school in Oxford, which was, uh, which was brilliant. Um, I did my, I really enjoyed surgery whenever I was an undergraduate there. Um, and did my first surgical house job, uh, FY equivalent, uh, in Gloucester with a chap called Mike Gear, who was a great surgeon and uh, a really good mentor and, and role model. And that really galvanized my um my wishes to try to go into surgical training um, I had some really good mentors from oxford as well uh, in particular um a breast surgeon called jane clark um who was particularly influential and um in you know talking to me and making me realize that as a woman uh, in surgery i could succeed so that was really influential to me um then I did um, anatomy demonstrating jobs uh, in London. I worked with Harold Ellis at Guy's. Mm. He was a, an inspirational teacher uh, and trainer, which again, I think he had a, a great influence uh, on me sort of at a very early stage and really shaped um, uh, the course of my future sort of career path. Um, I came up to Edinburgh uh, for the BST scheme, which was supposed to be equivalent to core training. Um, and uh, worked in the Royal Infirmary in Edinburgh uh, with uh, Prof Garden and Simon Patterson Brown and, and, and many other consultants in that excellent team. Uh, and that really gave me an interest in upper GI surgery. Um, I then did an MD in uh, assessment of surgical trainees at the BST level, looking at a, a 360 degree assessment, um, which Although it's very common these days, it wasn't a very common way back in the 1990s whenever I did yeah. it. So that was really helpful at giving me an insight into sort of training aspects and assessment aspects. I uh, looked at sim the role of simulation and aptitude testing uh, as a subset of that research also. Um, and then uh, I started on the uh, South East Scotland General Surgery Specialty Training Programme uh, in uh, on the 1st of January 2000, so the first day of the new millennium. Um, uh, so that was, uh, it's been an excellent programme. Uh, within that, I went to Melbourne for a year um, to work in St. Vincent's Hospital uh, in the upper GI unit there. So that was a great experience and I strongly encourage a fellowship to every trainee because it lets you, you see a different health healthcare system and it's extremely valuable. And then I was appointed as a consultant 
um, at the Rod in Edinburgh uh, in 2007, quite a time ago now. Makes me feel old looking back. Not at all. Other question, your chosen specialty is upper GI surgery. Now you've talked a little bit about some of the individuals that inspired you to do that, but what is it about upper GI surgery that, that appeals to you uh, and you enjoy the most? Well, I mean, I think it's probably true of a lot of uh, trainees and the path that they follow. You're really inspired by the people that you work with uh, and your mentors. Um, and, you know, I, that was the case with me whenever I came up to Edinburgh and worked in the upper GI unit. Um, I particularly like the range of surgery that you get in the upper GI uh, specialty. Um, from sort of more minor procedures to really very major cancer work. Um, and I think as a surgeon, it's quite a, um, it's quite a privilege really to take a patient and their family through um, the counseling and the sort of pre-operative and post-op stages for major cancer resection. Um, uh, you know, I think it takes a, quite a, um, a skill to be able to communicate with them all um, uh, in a, a very effective and, and caring way and to explain what is really major surgery to them and go through the risks and benefits uh, of that procedure. So uh, as well as having those major cases, you also have sort of more minor routine benign cases, um, uh, which I enjoy uh, as well. Yeah, and, and you do it well. So thank you for that. Final two questions for me. One is if upper GI surgery was not in the curriculum, what would you do instead? Surgery or otherwise, it could be outside of medicine. That's a good question. I would probably, if couldn't do upper GI surgery, I would choose a, uh, another sort of uh, general surgery specialty, I think. Um, colorectal. Uh, and I, I would have to say probably colorectal because I really, really like the GI side of things, but um, uh, it sort of somewhat pays me to say so. If I couldn't do surgery, then I think I would uh, I would uh, go into more sort of training um, uh, or sort of an, an improvement work uh, sort of linked to surgery. Excellent. And finally, for me, you clearly wear many hats from TPD to role on council and other educational activities that you do. Two part question. One, how do you manage all that uh, in 24 hours and seven days? And two, what advice would you give regarding work life balance? OK, so two very important, very good questions. Um, I do wear a lot of hats and it's, uh, it's challenging at times to be able to uh, fulfill all those responsibilities well. Um, I think time management is extremely important. Um, uh, Organisation um, and using your time well and efficiently is very important. Um, but I think it's very important to um, concentrate on the, what you've achieved in a day or in a week rather than what you haven't achieved and what you still have left to do. And I think that's a really important concept um, to work by. Uh, and that keeps me on the, on the straight and narrow. You really have to prioritize um, your different tasks uh, and, and then work through in that priority order, uh, but always look at what you've achieved rather than what you haven't been able to yet do. Um, so I think that's, I try and, uh, and use that to, to work by. Um, Maintaining work-life balance, that's uh, uh, very important, but also really very difficult. And I think all surgeons find it difficult. 
um, uh, but it's really important and particularly you know in the current pandemic um, where there's been a real merging of work and home with remote access video conferencing and so forth I think it's really important to to try and give yourself dedicated home and downtime um, uh, and that uh, is not always easy um, so but it's really important to give yourself that um, you know, I like to do a lot of hill walking um, and you know so I try and get away in the weekends whenever I'm not on call obviously can't do it currently uh, which I'm missing greatly um, but try and get away when I can try and get up the hills when I can it's a real um, it, 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 it really frees your mind and uh, you have the goal to get to the top of whatever hill or you know one row or whatever it is um, uh, you're climbing what your target for the day is and that really does clear your mind gets you out in the fresh air allows you to do some exercise and keep fit so I think it's really important whatever your whatever your hobby whatever your passion outside of work is it's important to give time to it great advice great advice indeed um it's interesting you mentioned hill walking in what our listeners may not know is that before um, every podcast episode, we try and find out a little bit more about our guests. Is it true that some years ago, during the Beast from the East storm, you walked over 10 miles from your house to get to work one day? Is that, that is true? true? That yeah, is that true. Is. Well, that is true. Um, uh, I mean, the reason for that was I do a lot of hill walking. I like walking in the winter and so forth. So I just been away on a fellowship. I was a Penman uh, traveling fellowship to South Africa, Cape Town, um, and had just come back. So I was feeling that I'd just sort of come back from a two week, you know, a fellowship to uh, Cape Town. And I felt, you know, very bad at not going into, into work. So um, it really, it took me ooh, two and a half hours, two and a half hours to do it. It was actually quite, quite pleasant. I got all my walking kit on wow. and set off and uh, yeah because I knew I could get in um, and some people who perhaps live further away or whatever may not have been able to get in. So yeah, that was a, it was quite enjoyable, but quite a, quite a feat. I was able to um, get a lift back because the snow had cleared over the day a little bit. So I was glad about that. <laughs> the legend also suggests that it was actually your day off question. Uh, no, no, it, it was not my day off. <laughs> That's absolutely it was not my day off. That's fantastic. Um, that is dedication at its best and when I was reading this article I was like what I I think it's an achievement if I've walked two miles I think I've really done something so I think I have to up my game anyway um we've talked a lot about your professional and training journey but as you've mentioned before you are quite an active member of council and as Greg alluded to one of your many hats is doing some patient safety work as well For those of our listeners who are curious, I mean, I certainly am, how do you get from being a trainee surgeon to a consultant in Scotland to all of a sudden being involved in college activity? So would you mind letting us know about your journey from surgical advisor through to patient safety group chair? Uh, Yeah, so um, that's quite a a long journey. Um, uh, Essentially, when I came up to to Edinburgh and got my, my... um, initial surgical exams, um, uh, a bit working at the Royal Infirmary. You know, we had we were in Edinburgh. We were sort of closely linked with the college, um, and uh, during my time in Edinburgh, I became involved with as a trainee 
with sort of various college committees and things. So started off on just, you know, one or two committees, um, things like I was trainee rep on uh, the general surgery specialty advisory board. I think that was my first one. Uh, and then, of course, once you begin and getting involved with the colleges, I'm sure, you know, both Greg and Ceci, you get asked to do other other things as time goes by. Yes. So I was a trainee rep on SIBSAT, which the, was the Scottish Intercollegiate Board for Standards and Training in Surgery back then. And then the edu- Education Examination and Training Board um, and a number of other you know, committees within the college. Um, I helped out at various sort of uh, outreach events, you know, for medical students. Uh, and also for school students um, as a trainee. Uh, And then whenever I became a consultant, um, I was one of the regional surgical advisors for the southeast of Scotland. Um, uh, And I got involved at an early stage when the Faculty of Surgical Trainers was being set up, was one of the, asked to be one of the foundation members for that. And I subsequently applied and been awarded fellowship status on, on, on the FST. Um, I was involved initially um, with Simon Patterson Brown and George Youngson in, um, in helping them to set up the NOTS course, so the Non-Operative Technical Skills for Surgery, you know, safe, Safer Operative Surgery course, um, which really um, got me, was the first time I got involved with human factors and patient safety work. Um, uh, and. Uh, that and various other sort of activities as a consultant led to me being sort of elected to council uh, in 2015. Um, And then when I was a member of council, I was asked by the immediate past president, Mike LaFell Jones, if I would chair the new patient safety group back in 2018. Um, There had been a patient safety board uh, which ran a few years prior to that, that was chaired um, by Simon Patterson Brown. Um, mm-hmm. And it really um, uh, was a main drive in developing the NOTS program and also looking at, into sort of standards of, of, for surgeons and surgical training. Um, uh, once the NOTS program was estab- well established, it moved across to the uh, under education. Mm-hmm. the standards um, moved across to the professional standards committee so the, the patient safety board was disbanded back in 2016 but um, Mike LaFell Jones you know, very rightly felt that it was really important for the college to have a focus for patient safety um, uh, and, and that's why he sort of reinvigorated um, the, the group was patient safety group uh, in 2018. Um, so we've been running for the last two years. Fantastic. Um, so there you have it, guys. If you see leadership and management in your future, there's so many ways you can get involved in your college. Well, come to Edinburgh College because it's the best college. I'm not biased at all. Yeah. But and I think I think that's a really good point, Ceci, and uh, something I should have highlighted. You know, Edinburgh College is really welcoming. They're very keen to to welcome you know, people to help out with various committees, various outreach events, and so forth. Um, and uh, anybody at any level, whether it's a trainee at foundation level as an affiliate, or it's a surgical trainee, or indeed a consultant, um, everybody's got something to contribute. Uh, and if you're keen to have a more active role in the college, then you know it would be very 
welcoming to you and it'd be great to have to have you on board uh, and as with my experience you'd start out and helping with with one thing and then that gets you to know the, the various people within the college and then that you can you can develop your uh, your interests uh, uh, and develop your relationship with the college from there. Of course, thanks so much for that. And I've seen, in my experience, being a leadership fellow within the college, it's not just even foundation level. Um, I've seen medical students get involved. Um, I've seen the college put support for groups like Suture UK, which is mostly promoted and run by medical students. And it's fantastic just seeing all this innovation being championed. So you've spoken a bit about the patient safety group. I, I can't believe that it's only been running in full force in two years, for just two years. That's very impressive. Would you mind letting us know, apart from the NOTS course, what other courses or initiatives the group has um, promoted in the time that it's existed? Yeah, well, we've, we've tried to promote a number of different uh, initiatives. We have membership across the college and you know we've included all members of the perioperative team so we've got several anaesthetists as members of the group several uh, theatre nurses and, and representatives from the faculty of perioperative care which i think is really important uh, and then we we try to have patients as members of the of the group and uh, we've set, we've had two sort of patients as as, as very key members of our group uh, over that um, over that time, um, so we generally have two to three meetings every year, um, and we try and we've got a terms of reference set by council and a number of different um, areas of activity. Um, one of which is to try and promote links with sister organisations. So we've uh, done that. We've links with the GMC, with NHS Education Scotland. Uh, with NCPOD, which is the National Confidential Inquiry into Patient Outcomes and Death. I represent the college on, on that and a number of other um, groups, such as the Scottish Morbidity and Mortality Programme, just to name, to name a few. Um, so that's a very important part um, of our remit, I think, to try and collaborate with other like-minded institutions to, to forward patient safety. Um, the other um, area of activity is to try and, 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 and promote patient safety through educational courses. And we've spoken a little bit um, about the NOTS course. Um, uh, and I think that's, uh, that's been a really um, uh, sort of influential and, and, and world leading uh, course that Simon and, and George Youngson developed. Um, uh, and that's been um, uh, rolled out you know, across the world. Um, the various other courses like the Pints course, which is a sort of similar to NOTS, but for perioperative practitioners. Uh, other courses that we've, uh, we're keen to support is the ICONS course run by Janet Wilson into uh, informed consent, um, uh, just to mention uh, a few. Uh, we're also, um, last year, we developed a patient safety webinar programme Mm -hmm. It was great fun to do, um, and um, I'm very grateful to you know a great many experts in the field of patient safety and, and clinical human factors who agreed to take part in that webinar program. Um, we had ten webinars running over um, to, from November 2019 to the summer of last year, um, and we had you know several world-renowned experts in the field covering you know, many aspects of 
patient safety and kind of the human factors. And that was uh, really interesting to be part of that and, and, and to hear um, what the experts had to say and to be able to, to quiz them. Um, yes. And for members of the college, they're all on the website and on the college app uh, to go back and look into. So that was one big area uh, of activity. Um, and then the next big area of activity was our recent um, review of the college patient safety activity. Um, we felt it was really important starting out to try and do a, a stock take, if you like, of all that the college um, does for patient safety. Um, and we were actually um, quite surprised um, at, uh, you know, uh, whenever we actually were able to look and list the huge amount of activity that the college um, uh, does in the patient safety field. So that was really interesting to do um, and was a really good focus for the group. That's fantastic. Um, I mean, for those of you listening, um, again, Miss Paisley is so, so modest. The review of the patient safety activity was a humongous piece of work done by another um, or aided by another previous fellow um, of ours called um, Alistair Garrity. And you can see, well, and Greg putting his hands in the air. Well, that's it. Not- it Alistair and, and Greg and plus one of our uh, trainee committee reps. Um, Beth uh, Lynham, who, you know, uh, were really instrumental in driving it forward. So it was a real team effort. It was. It's just, again, another um, example of how the college encourages us, even at a very junior level, to get involved and get stuck in. Um, And just as you were talking as well, I am convinced you have one of those Harry Potter type time travel devices because (laughs) you keep adding to all the things that you do during the day. And it is not possible to do this much and still be this calm, this elegant, this welcoming and indeed still making me blush Sessie it's just it's true I I send you emails and at 11 o'clock at night you're replying it and I'm just like wow (laughs) this woman really doesn't sleep or she just goes back in time (laughs) so I am in absolute awe um you really are someone to look up to and and I think Greg and I oh I speak for Greg and I when we say that um the mentorship and support you've given us it has been second to none so thank you very much for that I'm really glad to hear you find it helpful Ceci thank you I did um now Greg putting you back in the hot seat go for it Who's my favorite TPD of all time? Of course, it's not <laughs> <unopposed>. um, <laughs> no, we we actually um, we first worked together some I don't know four years ago or three and a half years ago uh, when I was early on in my registrar career, and I think we were on nights and on calls together. And the one thing I took away from that was efficiency, organization and knowing your patients well and if you do those three things through a non-call then you're on Miss Paisley's good books so uh, there you go I do learn something every now and then but as I said at the start this is not about me this is about you and patient safety group so we've heard a lot of the good work that you and the patient safety group have done over the last couple of years and I second what Ceci says I think this is a a modest representation of all the work that the group has done and continues to do. But I think if we look forward over the next couple of years, what as chair are you hoping to achieve in the coming well months and years? And also what else can we look forward to from the patient safety group? Great. Well, I think it's, it's really important to 
to always look forward and and the first thing we we want to do is is the review that we've done make that really a living thing so we can we can regularly review it um, uh, and keep that um, keep on top of all the, the great patient safety work that the college is is doing you know recently there's you know where where the college is working with Edinburgh Surgery Online working with the University of Edinburgh and you may be aware of the, the MSC and patient safety and clinical human factors so we're we're very keen to continue to support that and uh, Steve Ewell um, who's um, come back to Edinburgh from, from Harvard, he's a clinical psychologist um, and he's uh, along with the college um, has set up a uh, research fellowship into human factors and digital education so that's really exciting and, and we're keen as a, um, as a patient safety group to try and uh, support sort of research into the patient safety um, arena. Um, so that's uh, something that I'd like to, to work on. The other two key projects um, for this year, um, and I think it's really important to have a, a sort of a key project each year to focus on. Um, we're very keen to move forward with team simulation um, and we're setting up a short life working group into that, which Alistair Gerrity, um, as you say, a, a patient safety group member, previous surgical clinical leadership fellow um, and uh, uh, he's just CCT and colorectal uh, surgery. Um, he's also chair of the Scottish Simulation Collaborative, so he's got a very impressive CV. He's kindly going to chair that and we've got some, some excellent um, members of that group. So we're hoping to be able to, to develop some resources uh, for team simulation, which is so important um, for work with the, with the surgical and the dental team. So that's one main project. The other one, which uh, Ceci uh, is very kindly uh, chairing and extreme and chairing extremely ably. Uh, Thank as you. Well as the a short life working group into developing uh, resources for patients, carers, and the public, um, which I think is a really key area of work for the college. And uh, although we have some um, sort of patient and uh, resources at the college, um, I think there's a real need to develop those further. Um, so this is, I think, a really exciting body of work that we're really just starting uh, and we want to develop some uh, recommendations uh, for the college moving forward uh, in this important, important area. Because, you know, as surgeons, you know, we're here for our patients um, and uh, it's really important that we, um, we take on board their wishes um, and help them to understand the, the surgical and the dental process um, and their journey through the, the various different systems. So there are two really exciting areas of work that I'm, uh, I'm really keen to move forward on. Two exciting but also excellent and necessary pieces of work that you're doing in a new pre-pandemic you and I had had some conversations about the team training and I'm really looking forward to seeing how that materializes because I think that's an essential part of fostering more effective team working moving forward and it's, a, it's actually an aspect we don't do enough of it at the moment yeah. and I think this certainly has a place in surgical training surgical practice sorry but not just in surgery I think the scope and potential to to even take it wider afield to any team environment so we wish you well with that and in future should you wish to promote that as well you'd be more than welcome back on this podcast anytime wonderful, wonderful. indeed
Just before we go, we know that patient safety is at the heart of everything that we do, not just as consultants, but also as trainees. What are your thoughts around how patient safety can be more at the forefront of surgical training? Obviously, we do a lot of it at the moment, but is there one area that you think we can improve upon through surgical training? Well, I think patient safety or clinical human factors, ergonomics, whatever you want to call it, I think it's, uh, and there's all slightly different definitions of disciplines, um, which you don't really have time to go into just now, but it should, you know, it's really crucial um, and that should be the part of, you know, the curricula, I think for all um, healthcare professionals, not just surgeons or doctors, it should be for nurses uh, and everybody working in the healthcare system because everybody's got their role to play. So I think that's the first thing. I think um, it has to be um, in the in the curricula for people and assess really for people to um, uh, be actively involved and encouraged at a training stage. Um, so I think that's really important. Um, I think it's really important for everybody to recognise that uh, improving patient safety is everybody's responsibility um, and uh, to be constantly thinking of ways in which you can do that. And often, you know, small changes can actually make big differences. Um, and, you know, I think it's, it's really, really important for people to, to understand that it's not, if something goes wrong, it's often not an individual um, who's made an error, um, it's a system uh, which um, uh, hasn't allowed that person or that team to do what's right. Um, and I think it's, it's really important to, to move um, towards trying to work out how we can develop protocols and systems and a, and a, a working environment that makes it easy for people to do the right thing and not, you know, um, and it doesn't make it, it, it um, we're, we're shifting our focus away from working out what went wrong to trying to work out what makes things go right. Uh, and I think that's something that everybody can do. Um, and, you know, I think it's really important for systems improvement uh, and process improvement and how the different spheres and uh, in the hospitals, whatever environment that we work, all integrate together uh, for a good patient outcome. Um, so I think that does need to be sort of taught from, you know, medical school on for, for medical and surgical trainees and, you know, and, and, and applies equally uh, to all healthcare professionals. Well said. Final question for me, and this has come off script. In your experience, what is the one common misconception around human factors? Oh, the one common misconception. I think it's... Um, I think for people who are not perhaps familiar with it, it's, uh, I think it's the lack of understanding of the systems approach um, and how beneficial that is. I think, you know, within, you know, within, for example, within surgery, um, we're very used to morbidity and mortality meetings where we, we, and they're really, they are very important to discuss when things have not gone as we would have liked, but that's been the emphasis uh, for you know, for many years, and that you know, in surgery, so it's it's. Um, I think that's quite a misconception. Of, as I've just you know said sort of previously, it's to we shouldn't be discussing necessarily morbidity, or we should discuss it and learn from it. But that shouldn't be our focus. It should be we should be discussing what went well and why it went well, 
uh, and what systems are in place to, to allow a good outcome, almost just as much as um, discussing when things didn't go well. So I think that to me is the, is the main um, area uh, of misunderstanding, I think, and, 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 and need for a change in, in, in culture and uh, to try and move to a, a systems approach. I think this is a question that we've explored previously on the podcast and everyone says much the same thing that the focus has to be away from the individual and towards the wider system and also the importance of celebrating victories that helps to bolster the confidence of not just each of us as practitioners but as the whole team and if we have more confidence in general I think our patients do better. So um, last question as we round off this podcast, uh, well, I feel I could talk to you forever, but we, we don't have forever. You, you, you have many hats to wear. Um, is there any one message that you'd like to give to our listeners surrounding patient safety or just general clinical practice as a take home message? Um, well, I think as a take home message, I think we've got to Um, remember why we go into surgery we do it for the patients and I think everything that we do we have to to strive to make the patient outcome and the safety of the patients better Um, uh, and I think it's uh, as I say to always remember um, what you've achieved and always remember uh, if things perhaps don't go as well as you um, uh, as you would like then uh, that's an opportunity to shine and an opportunity to uh, to build on that and to correct things um, and everybody has that responsibility so it's not somebody else's responsibility to to improve a, a system or improve a service um, I think everybody has a role to play um, and uh, people should always feel they're able to get involved um, and everybody has a contribution and a worthwhile contribution to make. Thank you so much for that. I think that's a perfect way to round off this podcast. Thank you so much for joining us and giving up some of your very precious time. We've really enjoyed talking to you. For those of our listeners out there, if you have more questions for Miss Paisley or just comments about the podcast, our email address is the same. It's comms at rcsed.ac.uk. That is C-O-M-M-S at rcsed.ac.uk. Please drop us a line. Anything from you, Greg? Yes, just to echo the gratitude. Thank you very much uh, for coming on the podcast. It's always a pleasure to have a conversation with you. It's even more of a pleasure doing it informally on our turf rather than in the ARCP setting. And it's always good to see. So thanks for your time, the, the kind words, and also the words of advice. Always a pleasure. Not at all. Thank you both. And one more thing, actually. Uh, it's been a Will real- you make... Will you make a commitment to come back and do a live podcast slash vodcast on World Patient Safety Day 2021? Uh, yes, I will. Um, Wonderful. I'll be delighted. You have to be gentle. You have to be gentle, though, Greg. You survived this, so you'll be No fine. difficult questions. I think he's been on his best behaviour, so I'm very impressed. Right, guys. Um, Until next time, stay safe, be kind to each other, and remember the patient is at the heart of every single thing we do. Bye, guys. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for having me.